Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to Episode 8, Becoming an Earth Sky Woman with special guest, astrologer and earth mystic, Tammy Brunk. Tammy's life passion is to call in and reawaken the priestesses and earth sages through ceremonial work with Venus and her cycles. She marries the worlds of astrology, dreaming, and Gaia wisdom to support visionaries and world changers, creating a human culture in harmony with earth intelligence. Tammy has impacted thousands across the globe as co-founder of Venus Alchemy, founder of the Earth Sky Woman Guild, and her e-zine, Astrology for Earth Renewal. Her practice is deeply informed by decades as an environmental writer and poet, naturalist, permaculture designer, ally to indigenous communities and eco-activists. You will learn who Earth Sky Woman is and why she is so essential for our post-pandemic world and how to bring her alive within your own world. Tammy will share with us how the feminine principle within both men and women helps us mend our fragmented world and repair the divide between our heart, body, mind, earth and sky, spirit and soul. Oh, so without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to astrologer and earth mystic Tammy Brunk. Welcome, Tammy. Hello, hello, Moira. This is so good to be with you. Oh, there's so much I want to dive in with with you. (laughs) (laughs) You have such a background and passion and and wisdom to share, and I know you share from your heart and soul, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So let's just dive right in. So, Tammy, what is, first of all, the difference between Western astrology, archetypal, verdict astrology, and what is the importance of the stars and constellations? Hmm. What a what a, a good question. Uh, so there, there's wow, so many different systems. I, I will just say that I'm a shaman astrologer, and that's a particular system that's informed that is Western and based. Um, so, but it also is informed by Vedic, by uh, Chinese, by Mesoamerican astrology. But I think the importance of the sky at this time and the importance of working with the constellations is that uh, I'll just link it to why it is that I speak so much of the earth sky woman. I just, I think that as human beings and uh, also to speak a little bit for women, um, we, so many of us have been doing this work of connecting to the earth mysteries. And what I mean by that is, is embodiment. You know, we're connecting to the sacred feminine now, and that comes through uh, being someone who's connecting to our womb wisdom uh, mm. A lot of women now are connecting to plant wisdom, those kinds of things. And I think that it's it's also time for many of us to remember 
what it means to understand the language, maybe the first alphabet, the first sacred alphabet, which is the zodiac, the constellations in the sky, and the wisdom that comes from being in relationship with those realms. Um, there's something that we get by being, for example, knowing what is the phase of the moon when I'm born? Mm-hmm. Where was Venus in her cycle? Was she morning star? Was she evening star? Um, what was rising in the east the moment I was born? What was at the top of the sky? Where was the sun? Where was the moon? This may seem like an abstract uh, principle, but when understanding these mysteries really comes alive for us, we simultaneously have a much deeper and richer intimate connection to all of the creation. And we also we have a deeper understanding of our own soul blueprint, which is described you know, by the position of these um, celestial bodies in the sky. And we also have a broader, bigger viewpoint for, for what's happening in our larger world. We have a bigger cosmology to connect to. So it's kind of a long answer to your question. <laughs> no, not at all. How does that work with, just sort of interest with the soul, the soul blueprint? Because I also do a program around that. Um, mm. that people who decide to come in earlier, let's say a preemie baby, do you think that the kind of last moment they think, oh, this is a better sign for me to come in for the work I'm here to do in the world? I think that's a wonderful question. I, I do see... As you do, I also believe that our souls choose the moment of birth. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I think that that's, that's a, a, a beautiful way to look at it, uh, that our soul is choosing a different um, expression, a different blu- blueprint. You know, some early astrologers, some people would say that uh, the conception point actually is more important than the birth time, which I think is an interesting concept. It's much more difficult to trace. Mm-hmm. Um, but the birth moment the moment we take our first breath is of course what most of us as astrologers connect to now. And, and um, yeah, I think that that eternal question of, of the, the soul and, and how much choice we have in those moments of, of what it is that we choose that kind of dance between destiny and free will and fate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go for another Maybe a little smaller question, but uh, <laughs> what does it mean then to become an Earth Sky woman, and what what kind of traits or behaviors or habits or or new way of being do women do to become an Earth Sky woman? And, and is this also for men, or is it just for women? Well, that's a good question, and I actually believe it's for both. Mm-hmm. I do primarily focus my work with women, but my sense is that, you know, the sacred marriage work is so absolutely fundamental for men as well as for women, women. And so it's just, it's going to look a little different. So for women to embody the earth sky woman, the way I see and feel that is that some of us, some women tend to be more earthy in our orientation, or we may go through phases of our life where we're more connected to earth element. And what I mean by that is you know, maybe we are raising children and we're, um, you know, in a nine to five job or we are working in a career that puts us very much into 3D reality. And we've got, we've, we're in that kind of very much um, householder path. So that's more of an earthy connection um, in a secular kind of way. Um, we may spend a phase of our life in that zone. 
And so we become very good at knowing how to manage our time, energy, resources, hopefully, knowing how to navigate 3D. So we're connected and we're rooted in a good way, hopefully, um, in the earth element. And then at some stage in our lives, we may go through a cycle or maybe we've raised the kids and we suddenly have this hunger for the spiritual path. And we're wanting to study things like astrology or like um, energy healing modalities or things like this and maybe more esoteric wisdom. And that's when the sky aspect of ourselves is really wanting to develop and rise. And we want to, you know, so for some women, it's also cultivating the life of the mind in more of a really, um, a very sophisticated way. So that's how it can look for women sometimes or, you know, opposite. You know, I was very much working with the astrology and the dream work, living at 5,500 5, feet in New Mexico in the desert. Mm-hmm. At right, so this very sky astrologically, a lot of I have a lot of air and, and fire, and so after a time, my body was out of balance. So I had to come back to Missouri, where it's very earthy, very watery, and reconnect to my roots in many ways because I was out of balance and I needed to reconnect to the earth element. So reconnect literally with the plants of this land to be on an earth that was much more watery, be more connected to my you know, my family of origin and the culture I was raised in. So that was my specific journey of, of balance. And, and so my sense is that we need both. And yet I think it's good to honor that we tend to be more oriented, oriented towards one or the other and really honor that. Um, And I think the place where these energies come together is in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That when we're really heart-centered, then we learn how to navigate and move dynamically between those dimensions. Um, but I think it's it's actually quite a becoming process. We are we're always moving towards a dynamic balance, but we tend to often, um, you know, we forget and we remember. We forget we remember. Uh, for men, I think having the Earth Sky woman alive inside of a man is a process of supporting him in really connecting to his inner feminine in many ways, also connecting to the feminine in his lineage, his blood, his soul lineage, cultivating a relationship with, you know, his mother, the women in his family line, and also connecting to the earth in a more feminine way, connecting with his Hada, you know, more of the, it's the male womb. So there are a lot of ways for a man to connect to that feminine. And it's actually there are far less tools and far less um, resources for men to connect to the feminine that way. And when I say, I'm just going to simplify it to, you know, helping a man to connect to the feminine, because I think authentically in her essence, what the earth sky woman is, what the feminine is, is about mending the split between these different worlds, between sky, between earth, masculine, feminine, um, the heart and the mind, you know, all of these things that we, we live in an age where there's been so much that's been rent, that's been separated. My belief is that it's actually the feminine whose role it is to, to reweave those connections. So to help a man connect to that inside of himself, I think, is to help him connect to healthy feminine inside. And, and I actually think that not nearly enough work has been done on this. We don't really fully understand how that looks and feels, but that it's going to be um, a real leading edge territory for the coming years, you know, we've, and, and I think the, the leading edge territory for women is to 
withdraw some of the projection we put on men outside of ourselves and begin to feel and sense the wounded masculine, the wounded masculine ancestry that lives inside of our bodies and psyches and begin to really tend to that more deeply um, rather than spending so much of our time externalizing it. Mm-hmm. So I would think when you're saying, for me right now, it's about the awakening in the heart of humanity and especially through this post-pandemic world. Yeah. So you're talking about that, that for people to work with the feminine principle, both men and women, to mend this fragmented, split world that we're in right now. And what's coming up right now, I think, is for, it's coming up for us to heal. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's coming up for us to heal. And I think the heart is the place where that heals. You know, if you think about, uh, there's a book I love, it's called On Becoming an Alchemist. And Mm -hmm. She has these wonderful diagrams that show the energy, you know, the proper way for us to move energy through the body, according to their this thinking is that, of course, it moves down, you know, from the celestial um, and through the crown. The feminine is, is who, it's that presence that reconnects, but that somehow it's the, I always think of the planets, you know, where do they live in the chakras? And I think it's, it's actually Venus and Mars that live in the heart. I've always felt that. So, um, but it's the feminine presence that kind of transcends and permeates the whole field so that the connections can be made. <laughs> that makes sense. No, definitely. And right now also the opportunity, um, I say this a lot, that we're, we're being given a huge gift and it's not about going back to the way we were. That's broken. <laughs> it's about yeah. creating this new world of unity consciousness and raising the vibration of the planet and her healing and us to respect her and the animals and everything. So it's, I think, you know, people who are leaving, this isn't, that was part of their journey, that they're not part of this. They played their part and people who are staying in this, you know, this virus, the COVID-19, the the new way that we're being and being alone and that time for people who are used to go, go, go and just being present with your presence, your higher self. It's, that's um, a new one for a lot of people. Wow. Yes. I, I love that you're saying that. I so agree with you. It's new. It's scary. It's, it's thrilling. I think for some people in some ways, or it's a, it's, um, it's, it's very new. And, and I do think um, when you talk about unity consciousness, just to honor a little bit of the astrology that's happening around the time that um, we are, you know, going to be fit, fit, people are listening to this is that Venus is rising as morning star in the sign of Gemini around June 9th. And so there's a lot around the Gemini mysteries that's a very alive for us right now. And that has to do with both and, you know, being able to hold two ideas or more <laughs> in our mind at one time, you know, like what, how does it, how is it that we can really cultivate the ability to look at the political landscape right now and, um, really, even uh, concerning COVID, you know, in the spiritual communities, how do we say, yes, this, there's truth here, and there's truth also here, and take the charge out of it, and actually hold a space big enough for all of it. Hmm. I'm just really listening as you say that. So when you're saying yes here and yes there, or both places, can you expand on that a bit? Yeah. So, so for example, my sense is that 
it, it, there's a word, there's inclusivity is a word and peacemaking and inclusivity to me feel like big words right now for the feminine. So I love those words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So for example, I, you know, I grew up in the Bible belt. And so right now I can say that in our family chat and, and Facebook messenger, I have a huge family. We have evangelical Christian uh, brother-in-law preacher and his wife, got my mom who is uh she's like a calvinist predestination baptist you know and then we have my <laughs> sisters and i who are all very oh um much more earth's reiki masters environmental journalists activists you know all over the place um in terms of the where we're coming from and and yet we so we've had to you know share different uh perspectives on what we think is actually happening with the virus and be able to hold the space. And I, this is happening for so many right now of saying, okay, yes, on the one hand, there is a clear and present danger specifically with the virus that we need to be concerned about. And yet there is also a larger field around it that's being promoted um, through certain, um, certain institutions or however you want to say it, that that would promote a certain level of fear that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do we get to a, a kind of a coherent conversation about where we kind of come together and we see things in some alignment requires a lot of both and thinking. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. <laughs> that, that, and that helped it for me also, for sure. And isn't that wonderful for, for you with um, your family that you can all have that discussion because a lot of families cannot. I know when I was being, when I grew up in my family, two older brothers, um, one brother called me the Pollyanna because I was always caring about people. Mm -hmm. And, and the whole wow. spiritual area that where I saw spirit at a very young age, but I was very, it was scary for me because no one explained to me who those people were. And mm. you know they would come to me and they say my name, which really got my attention. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we lived in haunted houses for years and people are saying, you know, are you crazy? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and like you, Reiki and everything, that's all been part of my path. But the whole spiritual path and like you again with outside, you know, with Ted Andrews, we were speaking outside of this call. I studied him, his work for over 30 years with animal shamanism and honoring animals in my own totems, which is part of my daily work. But I love that in your family, because in my family, not everyone was listening. <laughs> so oh, sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, the listening is, it, it, it's imperfect. Well, I should add that in the conversation, we also have my uncle who worked for the USDA and his wife who worked for the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? So we have, wow, like my mom on the one. So it's not all listening. There's also, <laughs> there's a lot of energy there. But but there are those moments because we love each other where we we can learn to respect. And my hope is too, there's, and it appears and it feels as if there's some places where we're, we're opening our hearts to each other in certain mm -hmm. ways that we haven't before. Mm -hmm. and, now, I would love to segue more into that, but and exactly what you're saying about opening our heart and our soul. Can you share more insights into the collective night of the soul and how we can ground ourselves in this massive change and shapes shifting fear into this love from our heart? Because that's what we're going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely is. Um, and it know, is a collective. It's a collective night of the soul. We're all it is a in this together. Night of the soul. It mm -hmm. absolutely is. One of the really clear insights I had 
before um, this last fall when so much was coming through around 2020 was that it's time for us to do a collective soul retrieval. Mm. And that's exactly what I think this collective descent or dark night of the soul is about. And there are many spiritual teachers who would say that we as a as a species are a multi-traumatized species and you know at some stage there's a lot of ways to tell the story but that we um we got hurt at some point as a species and so we've been operating from a place of fight or flight Mm -hmm. right and so a lot of what's happening now is triggering ancestral memories it's these converging timelines and so what i see is that every time something happens that triggers a remembrance of what happened before and we're able to move through it, but with more love, more coherence, more consciousness. It, this is how it is that we are releasing and clearing just lifetimes and um, hundreds of generations worth of trauma and opening more into, you know, when we clear trauma, we open our bodies to more light, mm-hmm. to more of a high vibrational energy. That we, that that's what clearing the, the old stuck energies out of our bodies, that's what that's for. <laughs> So I think the dark night of the soul we're in right now, it presents a tremendous opportunity. And to be completely honest with you, I do feel sometimes like it's a little bit of a razor's edge right now. It requires a lot of rigorousness mm-hmm. in our spiritual practice, right? And uh, just returning again and again to um, to our hearts and recognizing we're going to forget because there's a lot of interference. You know, we started this call, there was so much... <laughs> So we're really warriors, you know, we're spiritual warriors right now. And we, we have to keep coming back to our hearts again and again. Um, but yeah, this collective uh, night of the soul is, it, it's, you know, it's clearly it's, it's time. It's our time for this. And um, gosh, I just think those of us who can anchor high frequency and and i also want to say just a, a frequency of coherence like mm-hmm. going back to that word you know mm-hmm. that we're heart we're coherence learning, yes yeah we're learning to be unified in our hearts our minds our souls um our spirits you know we're, we're learning to unify that's the unified field mm-hmm. where the work really is happening i think for so many of us and when i talked about the gemini cycle to me Gemini, the the Gemini goddess, the Gemini feminine principle that's awakening now is supporting us and moving into our multidimensional selves, Mm -hmm. that part of ourselves that is, um, you know, truly capable of holding all of these energies at once and bringing them into some kind of um, unified field of, 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 it's a peacemaking process in a sense, internally. Mm-hmm. And, and that really, you know, is, is the, the work or the play <laughs> that so many people are up to right now. And, and I always want to remind people, you know, cause I come from a background as of being more of an activist environmentally and coming from that kind of oh, mo- mode, even though I was also very much into consciousness and um, it, it just feels so essential to honor the people who are out there doing something in the outer world, in quotes, and for those of us who are doing the inner work. And, and I do think that the, the leading edge, as you were kind of saying, with people now being kind of sheltered in place, is to do that inner unification, that deeper soul searching, 
Um, and, and I think we have so many ways of dissociating in this culture, mm-hmm. so many ways of leaving the body, so many ways of um, numbing ourselves. Yes. That, that <clears throat> this, this is a, a moment to, in some ways, lean into the discomfort of wherever we find ourselves. You know, we're really smack dab in the middle of whatever reality we've created this far. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we're, we're kind of in a place of saying, okay, is this? the reality I want um, what in this reality I'm creating around me is truly resonant with my soul yes and, and what in this reality is unbearable and I'm no longer willing to um, to dance with that mm-hmm. and, and for a lot of people you know that really there's there's not much choice it's we have to go within and do the work it's it's very Saturnian you know sometimes Saturn teaches by constriction it's like a diamond making process where you feel sometimes trapped or um, there's certain constrictive experiences like being a mother, for example, when you've been a free spirit your whole life or something like that, where it makes you, it's a soul making process. And because of the limitation, because of the pressure in a sense of, of having to continually return to um, reserves of strength you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also believe like the timing, everything's always perfect. I believe the universe yeah. orchestrates everything in the perfect timing, even if we can't see the bigger picture. You know, yeah. I, well, yeah. yeah, I have, you know, everyone has their own experiences and yeah. It is. <laughs> and even with this, the, the show heart, soul wisdom was literally produced with a producer and myself 11 years ago and it went put on hold and the interviews at the time were live in person and put on a hard drive with B-roll and all. It didn't happen for whatever reasons, but now the timing is right and the message is right. And, you know, my Soul Awakening Academy, I started that five years ago and now the timing. So that's that trust and, and you know, this show is also about giving people hope and yeah, going into that phase of trusting and hoping and knowing deep within. And I like what you said about that, that people, instead of escaping different feelings, just sit with it and observe it mm-hmm. and then yeah. let it go. And again, that's a new process for people to learn that, Yeah, but <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's part of it. Tammy, what are transits and planetary cycles then? And which transit then you're talking about Venus and, and, mm-hmm. you know, different, where we are right now. Yeah. So, and because we want to create a world of harmony, truth, and unity consciousness. So tell me a bit more about transits and planetary cycles. I'd love to learn more about that. Absolutely. So yes, when you said there's sacred timing for everything, I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Um, We've known, you know, astrologers have known 2020 is going to be a big, big year for quite a long time. You know, I've got some astrologers who've said, you know, for the last 30 years, they've been looking at 2020 as the year the big year. And, um, you know, it's, it's the next octave, you know, I I began with the Venus cycle. Venus, um, has an eight year cycle where she rises as morning star in a particular season, the same season every eight years. So she rises close to the summer solstice, um, every eight years. And the last time she rose in this part of this, this, in this season was in 2012. So this mm-hmm. is the next octave of the 2012 energy right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love Barbara Hand Clough. She's an astrologer. Her concept that 
when we hit 2012, that opened within each of us the capacity to access nine, the nine dimensions of reality. And this would be the next kind of activation of that. So there's, there's that, there's the Venus cycle. It was the Venus transit to the sun that happened in 2012, the last time that she began this cycle. That was, you know, really almost exactly eight years ago from today. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very close to that point. So there's the next octave of what was happening in 2012. And many of your listeners will remember a lot happening for themselves in that year, a lot of change. We also have a major um, activation, which is Pluto conjunct Saturn in Capricorn. That is active all year. And the way that that energy works is we haven't had this happen since 1518, which was when Calvin Luther basically nailed those proclamations on the, the, um, on the door of the, the church, basically. And, and so because that gave Christians more of a direct, you know, Calvinism and um, Protestantism gave people more of a direct connection to the divine than they had had, in a sense, with the current church. Mm-hmm. So this is another level of spiritual um, liberation for us collectively. And um, that's one of the things to consider. And with Pluto and Saturn together in Capricorn, it's also some of the deepest um, transformational energies that we could possibly experience, but they're in Capricorn. So it has to do with transformation at the level of culture, human culture. um, This is, you know, transformation of our 3D reality. But what's really fascinating is that we have two different, again, it's that both and energy, these two different energies happening simultaneously. Saturn and Pluto is making real, fundamentally transforming all of our institutions, all of our cultural frameworks um, at a level that um, we've not felt before. And, and I mean, it's a purification and a transformation process. So this, this is an energy that can feel a little bit like it, it requires us to um, tap into sources of strength we've been building for a long time. And it's uh, a little bit of a sobering energy. Um, and then at the same time, we have all this air. We've got the new Venus and Gemini cycle. We've got North Node and Gemini. And North Node is kind of like true North. It's like, what is true North for the collective? Mm-hmm. And that, so they're both in Gemini. Then you've got Saturn moving into Aquarius. And then it's going to be moving back into Aquarius again in the fall and meeting Jupiter in Aquarius. It's zero Aquarius on the winter solstice, which is a big deal to a lot of astrologers. Some people are saying it's the activation of the age of Aquarius at the next level. We are at once needing to be very grounded, very rooted in whatever practices really keep us, again, coherent, you know, to be really pretty, okay, awake. So there are two different currents right now that are activated. There's the Saturn Pluto energies in Capricorn. So that's like really heavy duty. It's time to really get grounded. It's time to be resourced. We need to pace ourselves. It's a very earthy energy. We need to get real in a sense about what's required for us to stay in this zone of coherence and centeredness in the midst of so much change. So you can feel that in your body. It's like a settling in a gravity. And then we have this other current, which is very fast moving very change-oriented. It can become very playful, very innovative. And that is the um, movement of Jupiter and Saturn into Aquarius. Um, And also Venus in the North Node in Gemini. So those are air signs. They're very much about 
um, expansive change, about coming together, new forms of community, about innovation, about opening to the quantum realms. You know, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of magic in that. So some of the way I see it sometimes is we need our strong inner adults to be taking charge of what we have control over, you know, in 3D reality. And, you know, to be really rising up into this place of, okay, I'm taking care of what's what's most essential and then holding a, a good grounded place for the inner child to arise and inform us and create this new world. You know, because Gemini is all about creativity and imagination and telling a new story and learning to kind of roll with the bunches and, and enjoy the process of transformation and change and letting go more quickly, you know, like, Little kids, I, I talk a lot about the new earth playground and we're now finding our co-conspirators and our co our playmates. You know, that's what we're doing right now. But it's it's a very interesting juxtaposition, these two energies, you know, um, between the so I think when I say the adult, I don't mean an old stodgy person. I mean <laughs> this is an adult like a, a, a priestess, you know, like a, the feminine or the masculine who who is so um, so wise and yet so, you know, again, coherent that they have full access to their intuition, knowing how to work with their dreams. It's more around when I say adult, I mean, it's that part of us that actually has the tools and is using the tools so that um, we are really anchored into uh, the spiritual practices, the practices of faith, the practices of um, earthing and of connecting to nature, you know, getting enough sleep, all of those kinds of earthy things that then open us to receiving more light, more magic, more innovation, more play, more illumination, raising our vibration. So the, those two energies are quite distinct. And so often if a person is out of balance on one end or the other right now, they're really going to feel it. Um, but the good thing is that we can come back into balance very quickly. We can go out of balance, but we can come back in very quickly too. And I think the key is to surround ourselves ourselves with the other like-minded, like our playmates, mm-hmm. physically with them, whether we're listening to podcasts with them, you know, joining in online circles. We need to really surround ourselves and permeate our own consciousness with people who make our souls sing, remind us of who we really are. Mm-hmm. It's a big part of this global movement that, that I'm creating with this show because yeah. I want to create heart-centered people who are yeah. consciously creating their life. And together, I truly believe we can raise the consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for each one of us and to live the life we truly desire on our terms. And that's going to be a, a new way of being. And I find that really exciting. You talked about dream work, Tammy. How does healing and dream work help us gain new insights into our lives? Hmm. Um, well, I, I love that you say how does healing and dream work because I think that dreaming and having contact with our dreams, whether that's our night dreams or whether that's actually um, looking at our daily lives as a dream and having practices to work with that. Uh, I think that being at being in that level of soul listening, that's how I see it. When we're really listening to the language of our souls, we are connected to our, the dream space. Mm-hmm. I think that is some of the most profound healing that can happen when we are um, when we are in that place or when we're actively cultivating that consciousness. So 
you know, it, it can be something as literal as our dreams are often telling us, pointing to us what is out of balance in our lives or what is wanting to emerge. And so, you know, I had a dream that showed me when I had a healing crisis that was underway, it was a stag that pointed its um, antler at a part of my body that I later learned I was needing to tend to, you know, so that's a very literal thing. Yes. Right. (laughs) So they can be literal. And then the other piece is, I just, there is a level of healing that goes beyond the physical that again has to do with this, this longing that I think we have to be in a greater communion with our souls and in, in the feminine soul, I think in particular, it's a, it's a longing and there's something profoundly nourishing, especially when we've gone thirsty for a long time. We've been in a drought, which many of us have been because we're too busy or we've gone through some difficult experiences and we kind of forgot that part of ourselves. You know, this is very human. Uh, when we return to that kind of presencing with ourselves, with that soul communion, there's this um, such a deep sense of relief and homecoming that comes with that, that that's healing, you know, mm-hmm. that's soul healing, that's spirit healing. Um, and I think connecting with our dreams and really doing all we can to make ourselves receptive to dreams. And, and sometimes, you know, let's be real, like we're not many people in this current time do not remember their dreams. And so one of the ways to um, work with that is to, uh, to help people to look at their life events as a dream and to re-enter certain life events that are very pivotal. And when I say that, I mean to go into meditation and connect with them as if you're, you're, you bring your guides, you bring your allies, and you re-enter that dream space and you begin to engage with it as a conscious creator. That's one way, you know, we can work with our, our dreams. I think writing can help us connect to the more the dreaming space, poetry, you know, art. Um, but yeah, the, the consciously connecting to the dream space is very potent. And if a person really can't remember their night dreams at all, I always recommend that they, they do, do um, nourishing, they eat nourishing things that they try to create a little more spaciousness around when they wake up in the morning and really connect with their body and their breath. Mm -hmm. And also to take note in a journal of what they feel, what their first thoughts are, what their first feelings are when they wake up. And that's just kind of tending that liminal space, that in-between space. And that's soul work. And that's going to bring more of that dreaming medicine back in. I know that dreams, um, I've remembered my dreams for years, and they're very bizarre at times. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, a cat morphing into a child, a child morphing into something else. And we talked at the very beginning of this that I had yeah. a recurring dream with a spider, but it was like a, a metal spider with a really scary face and how it jumped on my head and was putting its paws into my neck. And then I literally went and got my Ted Andrews book just before this call because the spider is all about creativity and the weaving of fate. And it's also connected in with writing and words and language. And it got my attention to go finish my book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I love that. And I, I didn't like it on my head and it came back. But, but the work to go and find out what it is and say, okay, I, I hear you, I hear you. You know, Tammy, you also went through your own dark night of the soul and you woke up to the calling to become a shamanic woman in working with indigenous people. And 
you know, tell me a little bit about that, because we've all had experiences of the dark night of soul, but maybe some people don't know what that means on this call. You know, I, I think the dark night of the soul is, you know, if you don't know what that means, I, I, I actually think, yeah, we've all gone through it and, and saying we've all gone through it. And yet we often don't have the language to articulate it. And that actually deepens mm-hmm. the suffering because we've lost the sacred language. I think, especially for many of us, if we don't actively identify as Christian or um, it, it's, you know, spiritual, not religious, there's a vacuum often in terms of procedures and processes and ways of understanding the alchemy that happens in our lives. So the dark night of the soul for me involved, it did start with this dream that was pointing out one of my ovaries actually. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I, I began, I, I knew immediately because I've been doing the dream work that it had to do with the physical, um, something was happening in my womb. I, as a woman, absorb other people's energies in my womb. That I have cords, you know, in the sacral chakra, which is very mm. common. Um, that's something that I was connecting to, and basically, it had to do with becoming much more conscious of how I use my energy as a woman. And you know, that was part of it. And then it took me on this whole deeper journey of looking at my wounded masculine, because you know, the other piece of this dream, actually, interestingly, was that the the stag was part of a group of female deer. And I remember seeing him and saying, oh, he's just like the others. And mm. that's when he jumped out from that group of, of female deer. And he, he came right up to me and he put that antler right on my um, ovary as if to eviscerate me. And in that moment, I said, I respect you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So two things were happening. I was seeing that there was something in my feminine body that was out of balance. And I was also seeing that the masculine, I needed to cultivate a greater respect for the masculine. And mind you, I come from a very female-centric um, family. My, I have seven sisters. My mom was the matriarch, even though we were traditional Christians. Um, I think of us all as being priestesses in some way, where there was um, a lot of kind of actually dismissal of the masculine in some ways in the culture I grew up in. And I had been, for the last number of years, deeply immersed in the Venus mysteries, working with the feminine and many goddesses but I hadn't been working with the masculine and specifically not with the wounded masculine from my ancestry. So this time frame corresponded to, it was after my dad had died of cancer. It was during this four years uh, healing dark night of the soul that followed on the heels of this dream. Also my brother had colon cancer and died. So the two main men in my family had died in this kind of period of time. And, you know, I had to do, and I ended up in a relationship with someone, um, a native man, who had carried a tremendous amount of trauma and um, there's so much more to the story, but, but basically in those four years of this shamanic boot camp, I think is what I've said to you before. <laughs> um, I, I had to really do a lot. Uh, I, I had to see one of the deepest things I think that I saw in this journey was that my whole life I had been, there's a part of me that didn't want to be here. There was a part of me from birth as this bright being who was born into a very kind of dark family um, environment, dark meaning a lot of, you know, a lot of ancestral stuff that needed healing. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I, I was born into that part of me was like, whoa, this is really intense. I don't want to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so from that moment, there was this kind of 
attraction energy, which I, the Greeks would refer to it as thanatos, which is um, the death urge. And it's a heavy, you know, I'm talking about some heavy stuff, right? But I think it's very common. And so that was part of what in my dark night of the soul I had to dance with was to recognize that I hadn't been fully living. I wasn't fully embracing life. And that I also, as many people I, I meet, um, in some phase of that dark night of the soul, they come to recognize that actually wanting joy, that, that the pursuit of joy in our lives is a worthy pursuit, that it is incredibly important that, that we actively seek out experiences in life that bring us joy. And that's very personal in terms of what that is. So, um, you know, that was one of the learnings. There was a lot that came through. Mm-hmm. There was some deep work around the masculine that I did. Um, and a lot around nourishment, you know, self-nourishment. But I would say one of the most profound teachings that came through for me um, had to do with the journey of many highly sensitive people and many empaths, which I suspect you would have a few of those on your program, mm-hmm. who um, we, we think there's a story that we you know, we take on the heaviness of other people and there can be that for sure. And at the same time, there can be as well. I think sometimes when we feel overwhelmed by people and situations, it's, it's actually even less about what we're taking in. And it has more to do with the fact that there's this beautiful nectar, this, this sweetness, this shine, this core essence of who we are in our feminine being that we haven't met yet. And that we're kind of busy transmitting that out there and, and other people's kinds of, you know, it's like in our energy fields, a lot of other people's stuff is in there. And I say that meaning we're always thinking about a lot of other people, but we haven't gotten still and quiet enough inside of ourselves to be in contact with the sweetness that everybody else loves about us and being around us. And so that was one of the biggest pieces in my journey was how sweet it feels to actually come home to myself. And that mm. who I am as a woman, you know, really deeply sourced in my soul, um, in my soul essence. Mm. I really can feel that come home to yourself and who you truly are. That's that's beautiful. I know I'm also an empath, and through the years, I had to add in tools and practices to make sure that my field was. I'm going to use the word protected in the sense mm-hmm. that I would pick up everyone's energy and to a greater in a greater way and um, to really honor that. But I love that coming home to yourself. It's, it's like, it's just beautiful. I just, <laughs> I, I can feel it. And I really love it. And I love that you said that. Mm. Well, I think maybe the reason you might like it a lot is because this is where you said, is it just men or women? What I'm describing feels to me like that core soul retrieval energy. It's, it's retrieving the soul of the feminine inside of myself. And I think that's also collectively what we're up to. We are a dissociative culture. There's so much of ourselves that is out there somewhere because, you know, heaven's out there, right? Mm-hmm. And so collectively, I think what we're longing for is to come back down and into our bodies, into the present moment, onto the piece of sacred, beautiful land where we live, um, and to be fully presenced there. It's the same process. Mm-hmm. And I also believe that we can have heaven on earth. That's Absolutely. part of this 
and that we're creating that culture. And I can, I can envision it and feel it how we are, you know, there's, there's no judgment of your age, your ability, disability, your race, your, your gender, just, mm-hmm. you, you just embrace each other from a soul level and, and celebrate that diversity. I love that. That's so important right now. So important. Tammy, could you share with our listeners today your unique gift and, and everyone will find all the links to Tammy and her gift below the episode, because I'm very excited what you're gifting the listeners today. Uh, absolutely. So the gift is, it's your goddess blueprint. And just a little bit, you know, I mentioned Venus in our call already. And uh, my, my wonderful um, co-creator and co-founder of Venus Alchemy and I, we've been taking people through the Venus, um, the entire Venus has a 19 month cycle. We take people through that cycle as an initiation and um, through the lens of the, the goddess Inanna, the descent story of the goddess Inanna. It's a really potent, it's a beautiful, you know, you talk about the soul retrieval, collective dark night of the soul. We take people through a process of really uh, meeting themselves more deeply. And this free webinar, this free course that you're going to have access to will help you to understand um, more about how Venus plays a role in your life. So, because I, again, I I feel that Venus is such a key player for us right now, collectively, personally, more women are working, more men are working with the full moon, new moon, equinoxes, solstices as ceremonial times. The next stage, the next octave is to work with Venus because Venus integrates moon and sun and connects us to the feminine divine rising in the world around us. So this this um, free offering is to help you to know, am I born as a morning star, evening star? Was I born with Venus in the underworld? And, and how does Venus come alive in my life? And how does that activate my inner goddess blueprint? How does that awaken the feminine divine within me for men or for women? So that's, that's the, the course. And I'm really excited also to be able to share it with your listeners because as well, uh, Kaylin and I are going to be um, going to be starting a new Venus and Gemini cycle course in July, on July 5th. So that'll give you a, a really good, decent taste actually uh, of how to work with Venus and how she shows up in your, in your life and from your birth. Thank you so much. Tammy, thank you for sharing from your heart and soul, your wisdom today, so much wisdom on how to bring Earth Sky Woman alive within our world to unite our body, mind and spirits and our hearts, Earth and sky and our souls. Namaste. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love. You will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.